for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Great, wonderful. Um, I feel really encouraged this morning. I hope we get through the preach. <laughs> um, the things that have been coming out this morning in the worship, the words that have been brought uh, are so fitting in with what God's laid on my heart. I did have this thought this morning when I was arriving, and I was sort of thinking, Lord, what, what, what if you suddenly change direction <laughs> and it goes somewhere else? And I thought, well, you just, you just go with that. But I'm fully confident that God wants us to, well, at least to get the majority of this into us. I feel that God's really going to speak to us, um, and you're going to be blessed. That verse in the last song we sang where it said, the first and the last word will always be his. And that would be a sort of a sub-theme sub to what I'm going to be bringing this morning is, in your life, the first and the last word will always be God's in your life. And what we're going to do is we're going to unpack that this morning. We're going to unpack that as to what it means for you. We're going to be doing it from Acts chapter 28. Um, so if you've got Bibles, we'll, we're not going to be digging into it just yet because I'm going to give a little bit of a, an introduction to it. But, uh, but we will be going from Acts chapter 28. But I'd like to just pray first of all because I just feel that this is an opportunity for us to receive from him, to receive from the spirit of Jesus, of what he wants to say to you and what he wants to bring to you this morning and how he wants to reshape you. So we're going to pray and I just want you to be open to him and in your heart to say, Lord, whatever you want to say to me this morning, I want to listen. I will set my face to hear the Lord, to hear him speak. So, Lord, we come to you, Lord. It is all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about what you're doing in our lives. So, Jesus, we invite you by your Spirit to come and to speak to us this morning. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to apply whatever you're bringing through your word to our hearts. Lord, would you change me this morning? Lord, would you change me this morning and would you put me on a different path? Lord, would you reveal to me this morning the next steps for my life? Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great. Um, got a little bit of an amusing start. I heard this very recently. Somebody, somebody spoke this. They said, isn't, isn't it annoying when you get that knock on the door and the person says, you've got to be saved. And then they start shouting at you, come or you'll burn. Silly fireman. Ugh. Got it. There's a science teacher, and he did an experiment because he wanted to show kids or make the point about how you should look after your bodies. So what he did was that he got some worms, and he put one worm in a jar of alcohol, he put one worm, uh, some worms in a jar full of tobacco and he put the rest of the worms in a jar full of sugar. When the class came back the next day, you probably guessed it, the worms in the alcohol were dead, the worms in the tobacco were dead and the worms in the sugar were dead. And then he turned to the class and he sort of said, what have you learnt from that? And one boy quickly put his hands up and he says, if I have alcohol, tobacco and sugar... I won't get worms. <laughs> There's a great thought to go home with, isn't it? Okay. 
So we're looking at Acts, we're looking at moving on with God's presence. Because the, the story of Acts is not the end of the story. In fact, it's the beginning of a new chapter. Another subtitle I could have had for this, uh, this morning is, How Deep Is Your Love? How many remember that Bee Gees song? How deep is your love? Da, da, that's good. Oh, not as many as I thought. Oh, well done. Oh, you do. Well done, Tom. <laughs> How deep is your love? How deep is your love for Jesus? Because that's what it's about. That's what it's about. And when we're, going, when we're unpacking this passage this morning, we're going to see that it's about the love that Paul had for Jesus. You see, Paul loved Jesus and he pursued Jesus. And as a result, the presence of Jesus was upon him. And that affected people around him and affected situations around him. Paul was an ordinary man like you and me. But he had the spirit of Jesus on him. He had the, spirit, the Holy Spirit was working through his life. In the Acts of the Apostles, actually, the first half is very much the Acts of the Apostles. The second half is very much the, the Acts of Paul, the Apostle. And, and that's an exciting chapter because there's such a tussle and such a fight that's going on in that last half of Acts. Significant for history, significant for us, and we're going to hopefully grasp a bit of that this morning. Um, But there were many other apostles around. There were many other apostles around with Paul because he mentions it in his books. um, But for us, God wants us to focus on the acts of the apostles and he wants us to focus on Paul because this was the significant strand that God was opening up for the gospel. This was something which was going to come on into history and affect us now, which is why we need to be aware of it. Because it will give us confidence for what God is doing in you, and it will give you confidence of what God is doing in the world at the moment. The Acts of the Apostles starts with a prophecy, and it ends with a prophecy. That's why I was saying the first and the last words are always his. It starts with Jesus prophesying and saying, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Samaria, Judea, Jerusalem, and the rest and the ends of the earth. And then it ends in the last chapter, the very last part is Paul prophesying and saying that this salvation is now going to go to the Gentiles and they will listen. And that is the wonderful, that's the chapter that we're in. But how did we get to this chapter? Well, that's some of what we're going to. Uh, have here, and in the process, I want you to see what God was doing in Paul, and I want it to stir you to sort of say, is that process happening in me? Because God's got a journey for your life as well. So, the Acts of the Apostles. In, in the, the whole of the book of the Acts, we see the miraculous works that the Holy Spirit does through the Apostles. And in particular, Paul He used Paul to heal people. There was one incident where he threw himself on a young lad who had had died, fallen out of a window and died, and he threw himself on him, just like Elijah had done in the Old Testament, and the boy came to life. He healed people. He he put his hands on people, and they were healed. He, He touched them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and he released the Holy Spirit on groups of Christians. So there was a lot happening with Paul, but if we were to delve down... 
What was Paul's life like? Well, number one, he loved Jesus and he ran after him. He pursued Jesus. And you get that from all his readings, that he loved Jesus. He had this intimate relationship with him and he cultivated that closeness with Jesus. And as a result of him cultivating that closeness with Jesus, he carried the presence. He carried the presence of God with him. And because he carried the presence of God, that affected people around him and situations, and the miraculous happened. Now, as a church, we are moving forward. We need to move forward. We don't want to be stagnant, and we don't want to be going back. But we're moving forward. And as we move forward, that's going to change our position, and it's going to cause us to embrace adjustments to us. Okay? But it's God that's doing it, and we need to, do, we need to be, have a settled spirit about what God is going to be doing with us. So we need to embrace these changes. There is a saying, isn't it? You cannot expect tomorrow to be different if you do exactly what you did today. So God will be calling us to action. God will be calling you, maybe even out of this morning, God will be calling you to do something different. Today even, but certainly tomorrow, so that you can give room for him to do what he wants to do. And, and he can surprise you. The miraculous can suddenly happen around you. And you never expected it. And I'm sure that there's loads of you who have got stories of things like that which have happened. Craig. The, um, I, just, I felt God was really laying you in my heart. That you've been so faithful. You've been so faithful and you've been seeking God. And there's been times when you've felt I just can't seem to get through on these things. You've been pressing through, and God's seen it. And I just felt God was just saying to me this morning that this is for you this morning, that the, the, this whole new phase is coming for you. There's new openings coming up for you in your, in your work. The skills that God has given you, there's a new opportunities coming for you. But there's going to be an element of the Spirit about it. There's going to be an element of the Spirit. So it's going to be your skills, but also there's going to be that element of the Spirit as you, as you continue to press through, as you faithfully have been doing, pressing through with your relationship with Jesus. I just felt that came this morning. So we're going to move forward. We can't look back. And as you know, the Vikings, they burnt their boats, didn't they? Because when they came over here, they burnt their boats because they said, we are going to take the land. <laughs> we are going to take the land. We're going to burn our boats so that we can't go back and we won't be tempted to go back. And there's that other phrase, isn't there, to burn the bridges... So that once you get to the other side, you burn the bridges. And the Bible's full of illustrations where it says, don't look back, isn't it? If you're plowing the field, don't turn back, just keep looking forward. And so God's calling you this morning to look forward, to keep looking forward, to go forward with him, and to embrace what changes he wants to bring into your life. There is a, a lovely verse in Colossians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's now no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in Jesus, who loves me and gave his life for me. You have got that written over you this morning. That Jesus, it's not you that lives, it's Christ that lives in you. And now you live by faith. Because he loves you, he's going to go before you. We had that this morning, I think. Something, I think it may have been something that Paul brought. That 
He's going to be going before you. He will be there where he's taking you. So we need to get on to the the reading, don't we? (laughs) So let's get on to Acts 28. You'll be pleased to know that I'm not going to read all of it, because it's quite a big chapter. But we'll start off with the first part of it. No, we're not going to read it just yet. I've got to give you, <laughs> I, need, I need to give you a little bit of an update as to wh- why we've got to where we're at. Because Paul had, had come on quite a journey to come to here. This story is about him landing on Malta. But in fact, his journey to Malta had been an arduous and a tortuous route. And it was because there was a battle going on for the gospel at this point. He had, had, a, he had been saved from a riot in Ephesus where, I don't know, it was 20 or 50,000 people in that stadium in Ephesus. Um, I, was, I was there once, and I, I saw it, and I was sort of thinking, Paul, you stood here, and, and everybody was jeering at you and shouting at you, and they feared for your life, and they, and they calmed them down and rescued Paul. Then later on, there was a riot in Jerusalem where he was set up, and again, they were out to kill him, they were out, out to end his life. And from that point on, Paul was basically running for his life, but... In so doing, he was ever so peaceful because Jesus was with him and he knew that Jesus was using all these situations. He then had a riot at the Sanhedrin when he was brought before the Jewish council. And and again, they wanted to kill him and they tried to ambush him. And And they, do you know, the Romans had to provide 500 or nearly 500 soldiers to escort Paul out of Rome to Caesarea to protect him. Such was the, the, you know, the venomous way in which they wanted Paul dead because they, they didn't want this gospel for the Gentiles to go out. But God was in control. Yeah, and Paul knew it yeah, because God had appeared to him in a dream as an angel and said to him, you will stand before Caesar and you will give an account. And so he was very, very confident, which is why he appealed to Caesar later on. He went to uh, Felix, the governor, Felix the governor didn't know what to do with him. And so what did Felix the governor do? Locked him up for two years. Right? But he was able to write and he was able to send uh, uh, encouraging messages to the churches. After two years, another governor came, uh, Festus. And immediately Festus started to interview him and uh, thought he'd do a quick one and try and get him to go back to Jerusalem. But that was when he appealed to Rome and said, no, I appeal to Caesar. So Festus had to arrange for him to go to Rome. In the meantime, while he was waiting for the escort to go to Rome, King Agrippa arrives. So Paul is paraded before King Agrippa. And the interesting thing from Acts, when you read this, is that all that Paul does is he just gives his story. He just gives his story, his testimony. In a humble way, a very humble way, I'm on the road to Damascus and a light comes and Jesus speaks to me. But I I was a wicked man. I was killing the Christians. And now I'm... I'm proclaiming this gospel that the Christians proclaim about Jesus being raised from the dead. And he has this story. And everybody who heard him sort of thinking, there's no reason for him to be put to death. But Paul knew that ultimately he was. Paul knew ultimately he was going to be put to death. But until that time came, he was going to allow every situation to be used to God's glory. So, Acts chapter 28. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness and they built a fire and welcomed us because it was raining and cold. 
Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and, as he put it onto the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself onto his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook his hand, and the snake, uh, sorry, shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people were expecting him to swell up or to suddenly fall dead. But after waiting, uh, saw nothing happening, they changed their minds and decided instead that he was a god. Well, that was a remarkable quick turnaround, wasn't it? <laughs> There's such a lot that God would, can say to us from this. You see, Paul was very vulnerable at this time. He'd gone through a storm. So he'd gone through a storm and his life had been spared and so had the life of all the soldiers on the ship because of Paul saying, God has spoken to me, keep everybody on the ship. If you keep everybody on the ship, the ship will be safe. And the centurion believed him and kept everybody on on, on the ship and they ran aground and then they were able to swim to the shore. So they were all saved. So Paul's word came true. But he was very, very exhausted and tired. And these islanders came and they helped Paul and the others build a fire. Now that's where we're at. We're building a fire. We're building a fire. We're seeking God's presence. We're seeking to to build the fire in our own spirit. Fire for Jesus. Fire, passion for Jesus. And we have help to do it. We have those who teach us and lead us and inspire us and help us and comfort us and pray with us. We, we support one another as we are building this fire. But what happens is that when the fire's been built and when the Holy Spirit is moving in a greater measure, the snakes come out. The snakes come out and they start to try and get hold of you. Because there's a purification going on. But we can take courage from this passage. Because although, and we know that the snake represents the enemy, represents the devil, when God is moving in your life and God is changing you, the enemy, your adversary, is out to try and discourage you and to bring you down, to bring lies on you and to make you discouraged and to basically try to get you to slow down or to turn around. We need to throw the snake into the fire. We need to shake off that snake. Shake off that snake and burn it in the fire. How do we do that? Well, we declare truth. We fill ourselves with praise for God. We worship, we worship Jesus. We love Jesus We declare the truth about Jesus. We declare the truth about what God is doing in our lives. And we stand against those lies. We stand against whatever is happening. There was a couple um, in church, they they came up to me in the week, and they said, we're having such an incredibly bad time. You know, this has been happening and that's been happening. But they did say that in the same breath, they said, we do feel that God is doing something. We sense that God is doing something, but we're having such opposition. Do you know what I mean? And 
So we just talked and shared together, and I sort of shared some things that have been, had happened to Fran and I in the past. And I said, I said, speak to the situation and, and almost challenge the situation. Fran and I had this when we were first doing Alpha. For the first few years of doing Alpha, every night that we were doing Alpha, we would have either an electrical problem or a water problem that would happen at home. Burst tanks, you know, uh, it, you know, anything to do with water, anything to do with electricity, sparks, whatever, it would, it would happen. At first, it was getting us down. But in the end, we fought back and we sort of said, is that the best you can do? I, I remember once when the, when the 60-gallon tank upstairs burst and the whole of the house was, was, was flooded and we were going off to Alpha and I remember that we, we, we closed the door and basically said... Is that the best you can do? Well, we're going to go to Alpha now, and we're going to have a fantastic time, and we're going to see people saved for the kingdom. <laughs> do you know it stopped? <laughs> do you know after that, he, he gave up? He gave up. Because he's just a discourager. He just wants to discourage you. Now, I know that there are those of you here, and I know that you, you, you carry immense burdens. Um, now, I'm just putting that into reality, all right? I'm not um, trying to big this up. I know that you, you carry things, you've been through situations which I know nothing about and others around you know nothing about. But you've carried them faithfully. You've, you've carried it. And God wants to encourage you to stand against those discouraging things which have been happening to you. And because God wants to use you. Isn't it amazing how... God seems to use us when we're very weak. Yeah. I've noticed this, you know, when you've had an argument with your wife. Not that I ever have an argument with my wife. <laughs> I had an argument with a driver this morning on the way here, road rage this morning. Not on my part, on, on his part. But things to upset you, to unsettle you. But we come to church sometimes and all kinds of things are kicking off. But what I try to do is even as I'm driving up the road here to church, I say, Lord, I put this all behind me. Lord, if there's anything you, you want me to do this morning, if there's any word you want me to bring, Lord, if there's, Lord, any, anything, I want to be open to you, Lord, because I trust in your mercy and your grace here, that I'm as weak as anything, you know. And then I just get on and worship. That's my pattern, is that I just get on and worship. I come and I just worship. And sometimes God may, may bring something, sometimes he doesn't. That's fine. Because the point is that I'm running to Jesus. So, when you are weak, that's when you will find your greatest strength. So, there may be many inconveniences which are coming into your life, but God is sovereign, and God can work through them all. Helen, I'm sorry to trouble you here. <laughs> you knew it's too good to be true, wasn't it? Can we flip to the to the to the, uh, this? Past this next one. I know there's another section that I wanted to read. This is the one. The point of your greatest weakness becomes the point of your greatest mission, ministry to, to others. These are just two examples. Uh, Nicholas Wu Yi Chi. He has no arms, he has no legs. He is being used by God to bring thousands of young people to Jesus. He speaks to th- stadiums of thousands of people. He, he has videos. The internet is full of videos of this guy 
challenging young people to live for Jesus. He's challenged them to live for Jesus, sort of saying, you know, don't worry about the troubles you've got. You know, Jesus loves you. Come and follow him. And he lives it out. He's a fantastic example. And those of you who may be older here will remember Jodie Erickson. She was the Christian girl, young girl, who her neck broke when she dived into the sea and um, she was paralysed. I, I think, if I'm correct, that she was an Olympic or she, or she was an athlete as well. So there was, her livelihood was involved in this. And uh, so she started preaching and teaching, writing books, and she's been an inspiration to Christians for generations. So be encouraged this morning that your point of weakness can be your greatest strength. Now, we have to go in God's strength and not our own. Why is it good to be going in our weakness? If we go in our strength, then there is the danger that we will get full of pride and that we will become self-sufficient and that we won't be turning to God. But when we do things out of our weakness, that's a good place to be because we can run to Jesus. We can, be in, we can envelop ourselves in the presence of Jesus and then he does things amazingly in your life and through you, just demonstrating that it's all about him. <laughs> and it's not about you. It's all about him. So if you're feeling weak this morning, there's encouragement here for you, isn't there? Because you're in a good place. <laughs> you're in a good place because you can come to Jesus and Jesus will work in your life. So we were saying that after the storm, Paul was weak. He built the fire. The viper came out. He shook the viper into the, into the fire. And we're going to do the same. As the enemy tries to bring us down, we're going to throw things into the fire. We're going to throw them into the fire. We're going to bring them to Jesus. We're going to say, we're not going to have that. We're not going to have that. We're going to speak to situations and sort of say, I'm not going to have that. I had a situation um, some years ago in my workplace where the work, work was getting really, the, the workplace was getting quite low. There was a woman there, she happened to be my boss at the time, and uh, she was really upsetting people. She was ruling the roost, and she was, she was ruling other men that were even her bosses. And I could see, I could see what was happening, and everybody was getting quite depressed. I didn't, didn't realise at the time the spiritual side of what was going on, but I remember coming home one day, and I said to Fran, I can't have this anymore. This is ridiculous. It's affecting the whole of work. So I got down, we prayed, and we sort of said, in Jesus' name, I just command this, this uh, spirit or whatever, whatever's happening here to go. Or I remember what I said now. I said, either change this woman or remove her. <laughs> change this woman or remove her. I went in the next day. My boss, he came, I, I worked in a hospital, Craig, doctor. He came knocking on my door, and he sort of said, Pete, She's, she's going. She's going. She came into my room this morning. She's going to take early retirement. She's going to go. And he was so delighted. <laughs> I did have the opportunity to pray for him as well sometime later on, but that's another story. Um, so, can we go back to the passage that we haven't read yet, uh, Helen? Thank you. So, the story carries on for Paul on Malta. That there was a man there, a leader of the island, and he was called Publius. So there, there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home 
and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick, sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery, and Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick of the island came and were cured. They honoured us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies that we needed. What can we learn from this passage? Well, I think there's an important lesson for us to learn in the journey that we're on at the moment. This official, he didn't get Paul to come and pray for his dad straight away. He looked after Paul's needs. He entertained Paul. He gave Paul his attention. And then possibly, you can infer from the passage that after three days, he then asked Paul, would you come and pray for my dad? So his dad is ill and sick, but he looks after Paul first of all. Now God is honouring this because he brings this wonderful healing to his father. But notice also that Paul, when Paul goes to pray for the father, he doesn't go straight in there and put his hand on him and start praying for him. It says that Paul spent some time praying, and after he prayed, he then went and laid his hands on the father to be healed. There's a significant lesson for us to learn here. We need to spend time with Jesus. We need to spend time worshipping, which is the journey that we're on. When we're talking about seeking God's presence, when we're talking about being more of a presence people, what we're talking about is this bit. We're talking about coming to God and giving him attention, giving him our love, giving him our praise, giving him our time. And then from that place of intimacy, we can then go on to pray for people. We can then go on to do the things that God is telling us to do. And that, I believe, will be a pattern that will happen for us, is that we'll be a people who will worship, we'll, we will cultivate the presence of the Holy Spirit, we'll be listening, we'll be attentive, and then there'll come a moment when the Holy Spirit will suddenly start to ask us to do things and to start to break out. It's very exciting when that sort of thing happens. I believe that God is calling you to that place right now where you spend time with him. It doesn't matter whether it's five minutes, ten minutes, half an hour, or even just a minute on your way to work. So long as you are consciously setting aside time, which you could have used for something else, Paul was mentioning it earlier on, and say, no, Lord, you're going to have that time. You're going to have that time. I'm just going to worship you. I'm just going to come into this room and shut the door. I'm just going to praise you. One of the things that I do is that I go outside the house and I sit in the car because I find that I'm free from, from distractions then. And so I just go out and I sit on the drive of the house in the car. I can see some nodding of heads. <laughs> so some of you do this also. Just go into your car and just say, Lord, I wouldn't normally sit in my car, but I'm sitting here because I just want to spend time with you. 
I just want to talk to you, and I just want to bless you. And from that, you can expect scripture verses to come, encouragement to come to you, and you can expect a move of the Spirit on you that can start to, for you to start declaring things out. I am not going to have the unrest in the house. I've done this. I have done this. I had a, we had such a difficult time well, with both my boys, actually. It wasn't so much the girls. <laughs> it was the boys. What's the matter with us, boys? But I did have quite a difficulty with my boys. Um, and I remember that didn't, didn't want to have anything to do with me. Uh, didn't want me to hug, hug him. I'm thinking of my first boy. Didn't want me to hug him. Um, he was troublesome. And uh, oh, I just couldn't get through to him. Do you know what I mean? just didn't want to be with me. So what I did was I, just, I went to God and I said, Lord, I just want to pray for my son. So I just set aside time and I just said, Lord, I thank you for him. I thank you so much. Lord, what, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to progress this prayer? And I felt him say, I want you to get a red blanket, a red sheet, and I want you to go every night and I want you to put the sheet over him when he's asleep and I just want you to start praying over him and just declaring things over him. So every night I did this, I lay the sheet over him and I used to pray and I used to say, I used to thank Jesus for him and then I used to make a declaration. I always used to end with a declaration and I used to say, and I, used to say I will have a relationship with my son. I will have this relationship. It will, this relationship will come. And I, I may have to wait for it, but this will happen. I will have a good relationship and I would speak out the things that were going to happen with me and my son as he grew up. And I remember one night, after a few months, maybe, maybe four, maybe five months, a voice came from the darkness, and it said, Thanks, Dad. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I asked him about it sometime later. He said, Dad, I was awake. <laughs> he says, I was awake a number of times. He says, and sometimes I used to wait for you to come in and to to pray for me. Had a difficulty with my second son. Had a similar situation happen. And I prayed about it and I felt God say, I want you to do the same thing. It's not different this time. Same thing. I got the same blanket which I had in the cupboard for a couple of years now. Four, five, six years. <laughs> and I got the blanket out and I put it out and I started to pray over him. To, and six months I think. I think it was longer. But the changes have come I cherish the relationship I have with my family. I cherish the relationship I have with my boys. I cherish the relationship I have with my girls. You have to fight. And you have to declare. And you have to speak against the circumstances which are happening. And you will find that you will have disruptions that will happen in your house, with your family, with your relationships, in your workplace, where, where, wherever you are based. The enemy will try and attach himself. He will try and get you to be discouraged, but you can speak to the circumstances. Do what Paul did here. Spend some time resting in him. Spend some time seeking his presence and then pray. And you'll be amazed what God will do. So in conclusion, coming up towards the end, where do we go with this? Well, can we do these things? Can you say today, that I'm going to seek and run after Jesus. 
that I'm going to make a decision this morning that I'm going to run after Jesus. And I'm going to just seek his presence. Just for him. I'm just going to seek his presence. Can we say that we'll be more aware of his presence? Can you say this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stir myself so that I'm aware of the things that I can declare over myself, over my family, over my job, over my household, over my neighbourhood, over whatever circumstances. That God's, got, God's got words for you to speak. And it's when you speak it out of your mouth that the things happen. That's a very important thing about speaking with your mouth. I force myself when I'm praying in the middle of the night, when I can't sleep and I'm praying in the middle of the night, I think the prayers in my head, but actually what I've noticed happening is that they, they become powerful when I actually speak them out. So however quietly I do it, I speak the prayers out. And I sort of say, Lord, I'm not going to have that happening. Lord, I'm going to seek you. Lord, I pray and I ask for an answer to this prayer here. Lord, I thank you that you go before me. You know, and I actually... I, I make it enough that I know that I'm speaking out loud, but I don't disturb Fran while she's asleep. <laughs> and can you say today that uh, whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do, that you'll do it? Because things will be transformed when you do that. Remember that we're not, we're not running after the signs. We're not running after signs, God doing signs. We're running after Jesus. We're running after Jesus. If we run after Jesus, the signs will run after us. If we just envelop ourselves with Jesus, the miraculous will come. The miraculous will come if we just seek the presence of Jesus. And we don't have to sort of say, you know, oh, well, that's going to happen, that's going to happen. No, leave it to him as to what he's going to do. There's amazing things happening with the young people. That God's breaking out with, it, with the young people. We've had two presence meetings now. first one that we had last month... Um, one of the things while we we're having ministry time was just felt, is there anybody who's got hot hands? We feel that if God's making your hands hot, would you, would you indicate? Because we think you should go around and pray for people. Two, young, two of the youngest people there said, my hands are hot. Kids and adults came around them to feel their hands and said, yes, they are burning. And I said, right, okay. So I got an adult to work with them and to move around and start praying for people. One of those was Poppy. Do you remember the name? What? Graham said, Poppy. Poppy went round and she started praying for people. Her hands were hot. She'd never done anything like this before. And she started praying for people. She'd become a Christian last week. Fantastic. Another one is a boy. I won't mention his name. And he started to go round and pray for people. And he started to prophesy over people. He started to speak what God was going to do in, his, in, in their life. Yesterday, on Friday when we had the presence meeting, God came on this lad. He came, to the, he came to the front and said, I believe I've got something to share. And he started to prophesy over one of the ladies in the meeting, sort of saying, you know, you know let this happen. God, God's, God's going to let this happen to you. I uh, can't remember the exact words. And I was standing there, I was sort of thinking, you're, you're going to become a Christian. If you're not already, <laughs> you're going to become a Christian. You, can, you could see it happening. Um, the last verse in the passage is Paul's prophetic statement. He says, therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles 
and they will listen. We're the Gentiles. The nations that we go to, the Gentiles, they will listen. They will listen to what's happening. They will respond to the gospel. And if you turn to the last slide, Helen, please, thank you. I don't know whether you've caught up with what's happening in Reading. That there's, there's been something extraordinary happening in there. How long it will last, we don't know. Uh, this was taken a month ago. Um, that it says here 1,200 made commitments to Christ on the streets in Reading. Um, I went on the internet on Friday. Uh, I found out that it's gone up to 2,000 now. Um, but what caught my attention was this last verse. It said that it's reported that Christian children are leading the way with one 11-year-old claiming to have led 46 people to Jesus. Now, I know that it's, it's, um, it, there's, a, there's a prayer that they pray with people. They invite people to, to know Jesus. Um, but the amazing thing is, is 2,000 people have prayed the prayer Absolutely. on the streets. Yes. Now, if you read the report later on, it sort of says, you know, probably a lot of those will fall away, but a lot of those won't. And if this hadn't have happened, we wouldn't have got them. So let's be ready. Let's be ready for whatever God tells us to do, whatever God tells you to do in your workplace. And think about how God is breaking out. Breaking out throughout the world is quite unprecedented as to what he's doing.